0: Yes, you are. Go. You're supposed to be gone now. I'm not supposed to be answerable to you at this moment, okay? Anyway, uh, it's great to have you here today. Thank you for coming. I know uh, some of us have gone through hellish times, to be blunt, uh, in the loss of loved ones. Uh, one of the things that I've become more aware of, and I learned this when I was in uh, Brazil with uh, my friends down there, that the, uh, the people of uh, go to church there and they they take with them uh, well they when they get there they write down the name of their loved one who has passed away and they put that in a box and I don't really know all the theology behind that somebody said are they praying for them in purgatory or something I, was, I, I don't know but to me it's like a tender thing the memory of my beloved son the memory of my beloved mother my be- beloved husband my beloved father uh I just want to, when I come to church, I'm connecting with my spiritual side, right? We're busy working all week long. When I come to church, I'd like to connect with those loved ones who have passed on before me. I want to do something like this here. I don't know exactly how it would work, but just, you know, it's just, uh, I think every six months, we ought to have a memorial kind of worship service of, of memory and celebrate the lives of those who have passed. I remember when my son Greg was getting married. Uh, he was married in the Catholic Church, and the Catholic people have a lot of traditions that uh, are unfamiliar to evangelical Christians, but I will tell you that some of those traditions are wonderful. They truly are. And I remember that the, the priest the day of the wedding uh, named the parents and the grandparents of the groom and of the bride. And it was in acknowledgment of the fact that that family is becoming now joined together in a new family. And I had not heard the name of my father mentioned in public for 50 years. And his name was mentioned. Greg's grandfather, Larkin Collins, and his grandmother, Edna Collins. And that just, I still remember that. It's funny how I would, uh, how that would stick in my memory and how much it meant to me. So I think every six months we ought to have something that puts the name of that loved one on the screen just as a reminder that they are still with us in spirit, that we still think of them, we still love them, we still have a place of honor in our hearts and lives for them. I think it's a proper and good thing to do. So... What do you think? Think that'd be a good thing to do? I know. Because I don't want to forget, you know, I don't want to forget the people who are with us here today looking down from heaven on us today because they are there. The scriptures teach us that there is a great cloud of witnesses. Who are these witnesses? Well, are they not our loved ones, our family members who have passed on and who are looking down at us and saying, keep up the, keep up the good fight, keep up the keep up your faith keep up your strength don't don't give up don't get discouraged it's in hebrews chapter 11 and 12 you've you've read it i'm sure maybe if not it's a good place to go to read a little bit about this uh we're going to go over to the baby full on thursday that'll be on the 20th so hopefully you can come and maybe uh, i think it's at 6 6 uh, i believe is what is the time we're going to have a behind the scenes tour it's something that almost nobody gets to do but my wife, Susan, has a, a connection with the Baby Fold. She served on the uh, board of, of uh, directors there for several years, and so she knows some people. And they've given us special privilege to come and tour the uh, residential facilities. So we'll get a chance to see what's going on there. It's beautiful what they do. So that's Thursday night, Thursday night at the Baby Full. Just show up over there, and we'll, we'll go together in, into the uh, tour. And afterwards, we're going to get together and go eat out somewhere. So, if you want to hang out with us? Uh, please come. Going to go to the Cornbellers game on the third of September. If you like go baseball, we're going to do that. Um, I don't know. Oh, and on Friday night, the twenty-eighth, uh, it's actually it's my birthday. So I wanted to have a party, and I couldn't. I wasn't guaranteed to have one, so I just kind of made one for myself. <laughs> And on Friday night, the twenty eighth, we're going to have—I uh, call it Friendship Friday—and uh, everybody's welcome to come out. We're going to have open mic that night and pizza. Open mic and pizza, and uh, you know, if you want to bring some gifts, that's that wouldn't hurt my feelings. But I'm not—I'm not asking for anything like that. You understand, right? So those are some things just to think about and the things to to know. Uh, we have some scriptures to. sure sure. one day as jesus was standing by the uh, russ carter isn't here today he he phoned in but uh, he's on a trip or something otherwise russ would be reading the scripture i love the way he reads but not here let's all stand while we hear the reading of the scripture okay one day as jesus was standing by the lake of gennesaret the people were crowding around him listening to his words Listen to the word of God, and he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets, and he got into one of the boats, and one belonging to Simon and asked him to put out a little way from the shore, and he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down the nets for a catch, and Simon says, Master, we've worked hard all night. We haven't caught anything, so, but because you say so, I will let down the nets, When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat, and they came and helped them, and they did. And they filled both the boats so full that they began to sink. Now, that's a fish story right there, just my comment. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees, and he said, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people, you will catch people. So they pulled up their boats, and they left everything, and they followed him. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your huge Undeserved blessings. Thank you for your kindness and mercy and grace to us. Without you, O God, life would be meaningless. We would wander from place to place, not sure what to do next. But with you, you reach out and fold us in your loving arms. You tell us that you love us. You surround us with your grace. We are grateful. Today, Lord... There are people in this room. These are people that you love. You love them. Help, them. help that you may love them through what I say today. And may they leave knowing they've not only heard from a human, but they've heard from you. Lord, thank you for meeting with us here today. In your name we pray, amen. I'd like to have your attention for, you can have a seat. I'd like to have your attention just for a few minutes this morning and I want to thank you for your attention and I want to thank you for coming to listen to to our message today, to my message to you. There was a little boy who came to church and as he was new to the place, he walked around looking at all the pictures on the wall and he found a picture of military people who were pictured there and uh, there were a few of them and he asked his mother mother why why the pictures of these people with the uniforms and she says oh well those are people who died in the service and he said did they die in the first service or in the second service <laughs> sometimes it feels like that i remember when i was a kid i used to sit in the back of the church and This is terrible. We had pews, old pews, and I would scratch my name and my initials on the back of the pews. We'd put bubble gum and chewing gum under the seats. We were terrible. (laughs) Why those lousy kids. Anyway, uh, Mama always called us, you lousy kids. (laughs) It didn't hurt us any. We we had a lot of fun in church. I I want you to have fun when you come to friends and family. I want you to come here and when you come, we're going to welcome you warmly. You're going to find that uh, there are people who love and care about you here. And when you leave, I want you to leave with a smile on your face. And the reason that I want that is because if, that, if you do that, that will tell me that you, that you got the message, that you got the message. And the message is, is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful story. It's an incredible story. It's an outrageous story. It, it is an amazing story. It's, it is almost unbelievable how wonderful this story is. It's almost unbelievable. And I want to talk with you for a moment or two about how to help you believe this wonderful story. That God loves you, he really does, and that we love you too, we really do. I want to tell you about this, and here's the problem. It can be summed up in two words. Each of these words represent an idea. And at Friends and Family, we have an idea. And the idea that we have here in this ministry is the idea that the nature and character of God toward us is compassionate, is gracious, is merciful, is loving. Now, this is a notion that is difficult to believe for we have all felt and have experienced what another word describes as shame that is also an idea can you put your fingers on shame can you touch shame can you find shame anywhere in your closet no it is an idea it is as ethereal as a mist but it's just as real and there's another idea called grace. It's just as ethereal as a mist and cannot be found. I think our bulb just burned out. And you know, I said once, our bulb will never burn out. But I think it just did. But this idea, it's okay, it's okay, Jace. don't worry. If there's any smoke or fire, I'll call Steve. <laughs> so no problemo, okay? No, seriously, everything's cool, well. No, not really cool. It's kind of hot. That's why it popped. But that said for a long time, bulb, replace bulb, replace bulb. So it's all good. So grace is just an idea. Uh, shame is an idea. It's an idea. And you say, well, if it's just an idea. Then what difference does it make? Well, I will say this. Ideas can determine what you eat. Ideas can determine how much you weigh. Ideas can determine what you do. Ideas can affect how you act, what you say, how you behave, where you work. What you do is affected by your ideas. Ideas are the most important things in life. If it weren't for ideas, we would simply be hunters and gatherers. We would be predators preying on other animals in order just for physical survival. It's this unique humanness that we have that makes us different. Let's let's think now about the idea of shame. Do you know how many times Jesus used the word shame? How many times do you suppose that he would have used the word shame? Well, I can tell you, he used it once, once, once. And he used it when he was referring to religious people who mistreated the servants that God sent to them. And he said they treated them shamefully. Remember the Old Testament stories when the prophets would come to the people of Israel and The religious leaders of Israel would reject these prophets these voices from God these corrective voices these voices of of truth and they would reject them outright even stoning them and killing them when God tried to get through to the people the religious leaders would reject them and they treated these messengers shamefully it's the only time Jesus ever used the word shame now I am surprised at that to be perfectly honest My experience in the church over the years and all the religious things that I've been affiliated with I would have thought that he would have had a whole lot more to say about shame than that and it got me to thinking maybe he's not in the shaming business himself and if he's not in the shaming business then what business do I have shaming someone else? Oh, all in the name of God, of course. All, in the, all for their own good, right? Shame on you. Shame on you. Have you ever heard this? This is not the voice of Jesus. Jesus never said, ever, shame on you. Doesn't that kind of surprise you? Just a little That really got me to thinking. That really, really got me to thinking. Where comes all this talk of shame? Where comes all this uh, self-deprecation? Where comes all this feeling of inadequacy? Where comes this feeling of I don't belong in this group? Where comes this feeling that I'm a terrible person? Where does that come from? Is that coming to us from the gospel? Is it coming from the stories of Jesus that he the the parables that he brought about the nature of God? No. And yet almost every one of us carry a burden of shame. A feeling. Of inadequacy a feeling of unacceptability not even for just some particular sin we have committed but a general sense a general low-grade temperature of shame that we just carry with us it's an inferiority complex it is a form of mental illness Spiritual illness that we suffer with. The other idea in this message titled is grace. It's just as ethereal as shame, but it's just as real. The wonderful story that I mentioned earlier, the good news, the stuff that's so outrageous and so almost impossible to believe, is this idea. The idea that Almighty God is gracious, kind, caring, loving toward me who knows everything I have ever said, ever done, and ever will say or ever do, both past, present, and the future, and he pours out upon me outrageous, unjustified, unearned kindness and blessing. It flies in the face of any reasonable person who knows me. It flies in the face of any reasonable person who knows you, if they really knew you. So I went looking through the Bible. I read the Bible once. And I found some stories in the Bible to help me to understand. And I found the kind of people that God loves. I wanted to tell you a little bit about them. Do you want to know who they are? Well, let me just tell you real quick who they are. One of them was a guy named Jacob. Now, Jacob was not a nice person let's put it that way that's putting it mildly he was a selfish greedy guy and he said you know dad's just about gone his eyes are fading my twin brother stands to receive the inheritance and it's a big deal I want that for myself, and I'm going to cheat my brother out of this inheritance, and I'm going, to, I'm going to trick my father, and I'm going to make him think I'm Esau, my brother, and so I'm going to put this, like, sheep thing on my arm, and he's going to reach out in his blindness, blindness with his cataracts, and he's going to feel that wool, and he's going to think that's the arm of my brother. And he's going to bestow the blessing on me, and he's going to sign the will. I'm going to put my name in there. Now, Dad, just go ahead and sign right there, hon. (laughs) That's right. Oh, God bless you, my my beloved father. And so he got his blind father to sign the will and bestow the blessing on him. This is the same guy that demanded that God bless him. This is the guy that wrestled with an angel in order to get this inheritance. He said, I'm not going to let the angel go until I receive this inheritance. Now, that's pretty bold, right? I mean, most people just kind of like try to treat dad nice and hope that he'll remember, you know. But not in this guy's case. This guy's a real creep. He is a creep. Sneaking around, deceiving his father, acting like he's his brother, getting his father to get the blessing. Even praying to God, God, I want this blessing. Demanding that he be the recipient of it all. Is this the kind of person God loves? Isn't this outrageous, what this man is doing? Yes, there rises up within all of us a feeling of Justice and this is not right. That is disgusting what he is doing. His name was changed from Jacob to Israel. His descendants are known as the children of Israel. And God blessed these people and his family and him. After all that that's the kind of person God loves. He loves thieves, crooked, selfish people. Those are the ones that He loves. But there's more, there's more. There's another person, the kind of person that God loves, this man. Was a king. And he looked out one night as a beautiful moonlit night while the armies were off doing war against the Philistines, the Hittites, the Amalekites, or some of those other Ites. And as he was there, relaxing on that elevated porch just outside his palace, he looked across the moonlit evening and he saw the most beautiful woman he has ever seen in his life. Oh my God. She is gorgeous. Look at her hair, that black, swirling, cascading, gorgeous hair falling over her shoulders, her shimmering skin in the moonlight. Unbelievable beauty. Who is that lady? Who is she? O king, she is the wife of your servant. Uriah the Hittite. Oh, she's married. But I'm not going to let that stand in my way. After all, I'm the king, right? People do what I demand. I want you to send her to my send her to my room. Uriah, her husband, is in, the, is in the military. He's off serving the king, serving the country, defending the nation. The king is living the good life. It was a month or two later. She came to the king and said, I am with child. Hmm, problem. Hmm. Okay. What to do, what to do, what to do? Hmm, ah, I know. I'll just have Uriah, her husband, come home and spend a few days, and that'll take care of that. So he sends and Uriah comes and he asks Uriah to give a report of how the battle is going, and Uriah does so and and the king says to him, well, look, uh, he said, you know, you've served well. You've done, you've been working hard. You're out there fighting and everything. just, why don't you go home for a few days and just relax and spend some time with your wife and, and just enjoy a, a, a few days of relaxation. And Uriah says, I'm not going to do that. My brothers are comrades in arms and they're out fighting in the fields. And I come home and spend time with my wife and, and enjoy her company and, Relax and drink wine and no. So he gave him some wine and tried to get him drunk and sent him home. He still wouldn't go. Every night, every morning, the king wake up and say, did he go? No, he didn't go, king. Uriah has more character than the king ever dreamed of having. And so the king starts to think some more. What to do, 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 what to do. Okay, so now the plan is this. I want you to take him up to the front lines of the battle. And in the heat of the battle, I want you to fall back and leave him up there by himself so that he may be killed. And that's what happened. And when word came that Uriah had been killed, the king expressed his sympathy. Oh, he was such a good man. He served faithfully. Our hearts are broken over the loss of this grand and gallant soldier. Such a wonderful man. Someone we can always remember with a sense of honor and respect and appreciation. And just just think of the sacrifice that he made for his country. But what of his poor widow? Oh, somebody needs to do something for her. So I tell you what, I'll just go ahead and take her to be my wife. And people around town were saying, isn't that just great? The, the king has taken Bathsheba to be his wife. She, you know, she lost her husband in the war. It was very sad. But the king, God bless, God bless our good king. He tends to the families of those who've been lost. And all was well. Until the day the prophet showed up and told him, God knows what you did. Isn't that one of the most disgusting things you have ever heard of? Wasn't this king the most contemptible creep, the most outrageous person that you could imagine, taking his power and doing this to a good, honorable man? and destroying him, and taking his wife. Do they get any lower than that? No. And that's the kind of person God loves. And of this man, it was said, He is a man after God's own heart. He became known as the greatest king in Israel, King David, King David. And it was through his descendants, his family, the family of David. Remember this from the Christmas story? The family of this nasty, dastardly, good-for-nothing guy that the Savior came into the world. You starting to get pick up on what I'm putting down here? But it's not me putting it down. It's the Bible putting it down. It's the story of the Bible. It is the amazing, what I call the outrageous, outrageous grace of God to sinners, to thieves, to adulterers, to murderers, Those are the kind of people he loves. Peter. We heard his words today. He just received a tremendous blessing in his business. The boats were so full they were sinking. Talk about a blessing. What did he do to earn it? Nothing. What did he do to deserve it? Nothing. But when he received this humongous blessing from Jesus, what were the first words out of his mouth? What did he say? He said, Depart from me, Lord. Leave me. I am a sinful man. You don't realize I don't deserve this. What were you thinking? Please, 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 Jesus, leave me. Just go away. Leave me. I am a sinful, wicked man. Leave me. You ever feel this way? Do you ever feel that maybe the best thing God could do when it comes to you is just forget about you? All the things you've done and the mistakes and the sins you've committed. It's disgusting what you've done. That's what I would say is outrageous. <laughs> but my dear brothers and sisters, there is good news for us. God's love for you is outrageous indeed. And Jesus' words back to him were this, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Remember the country song? I would done a lot of things different. And the singer says, I wish I'd have gone to church with my grandma when my grandma begged me to. But I was afraid of God. The reason Friends and Family Church exists is so you will hear the wonderful, beautiful, outrageous story That God loves you. All of your shame, all that you have done does not keep him from loving you. He may come to you. He may start his sentence with stern words of admonition and correction, but his judgmental anger will dissolve into tears of unrequited love for you. Hosea. God said, Hosea, there's a prostitute in town. I want you to go marry her. Really? Yeah, marry her. She had three children in this marriage. And after she had had three children... She left the family, and she went back to prostitution. This went on for some time, and everyone in town knew it. And then God said, I want you to go back and reclaim her and bring her back home. In other words, marry her again. And he did. And he wanted to kill her, but he also wanted to love her. And he wanted to weep and scream and cry in his soul, his deepest hurt, his greatest suffering he could even imagine. But instead, he rejoiced in her presence. Tears of joy streamed down his face because she was home. The children have their mother back. These are the kind of people God loves. People like you and people like me. And I want you to open your heart today and receive his love. For you have lived in shame. Too long. Too long too long. And today, I announce to you, in the stead of Christ, your sins are forgiven. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.